for some praise for his goodness. Let's thank God for the Zik Choir and for blessing us with the word of inspiration. I honor the Lord for Mother Doctor's willingness to bless God at all times, and no matter where she is, she will give God the praise for his goodness. Amen. God be praised for that. Would you join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. On last year, we placed as our theme for the year, the year of the warrior. And the objective was to take us through the course of the year to experience the realization that as a servant in the army of the Lord, God has called us to be warriors to fight through and with a guarantee that we are more than conquerors through him who gives us the strength. I may not have won every battle last year, but I certainly have won the war. And as a result, as I said on last Sunday, I'm a survivor. And because I'm a survivor, I am here this morning to embrace the new year that God has before us. Amen. So this year, we have entitled our journey, The Year of the Stretch. And I call it the year of the stretch because in order for us to achieve what we've set out to do in the beginning of this month, January 1, by the time we get to the end of the year, I believe God's going to stretch us by faith and stretch us by perseverance and stretch us by trust and stretch us in our resources and stretch us in our willingness to pray and we're going to be victorious if we're willing to let God stretch us in the meantime. And so we're going to take a look through the course of this year at what happens when God stretches you and how God rewards us for being servants who's willing to be stretched. I'm going to read Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6 from the Eugene Peterson's Message Bible. And it's going to sound slightly different than perhaps what you have in your version. But listen tentatively as you read your own words, because this version I'm going to read is a lot more contemporary. But I think you can grasp the logist of what the writer is intending to convey. Then he went back in the meeting place where he found a man with a crippled hand. The Pharisees had their eyes on Jesus to see if he would heal him, hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. He said to the man with the crippled hand, stand here so everybody can see you. Then he spoke to the people and asked, what kind of action suits the Sabbath best? Doing good or doing evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless? No one said a single word. He looked them in the eye, one after another, angry now, furious at their hard-nosed religion. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
And the man stretched it out, and it was as good as new. The Pharisees got out as fast as they could, sputtering about how they would join forces with Herod's followers to ruin him. Amen. You may be seated. I've given title to those six verses, It's Stretching Time. It's Stretching Time. I'm going to ask you to keep plenty of notes this morning because I'm going to give you enough information to last you for the entire year. In fact, I'm going to prophetically prophesy that if you take down every note that I tell you, somewhere across the course of this remaining year, you're going to refer back to these notes, and these notes are going to be your salvation. It's going to take you where you're trying to go, and every time there is a deterrence or a distraction or a disappointment, these notes will help you get back on track and focus where you need to go. Write this down. Keep this in mind. Marinate upon it today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, but let it soak into your spirit. In fact, whenever you're writing any kind of paper, thesis, dissertation, whatever it might be, you have to be able to say what you intend to say in one sentence. It may end up being 175, 200 pages, but the professor is going to say, you got to tell me what you want to say in one sentence. And here's my one sentence. It's really not a sentence, but it's a phrase. Before the prize, there is a price. Before the prize, there's a price. W.S. Mangum says that growth stops when you lose tension between where you are and where you could be. When you lose tension between where you are and where you could be. Translation, have we now abandoned where we desired to go because we've encountered some distractions? And distractions can certainly keep you from where you need to be in fact, it may bound you to where you are now. But remember, distractions, if you use them right, are nothing more than stepping stones to attractions, if you use them right. Not just distractions, but detours. Sometimes we become irritated and frustrated because we thought, that getting from point A to point Z would be a straight line, not understanding that God permits detours. You go to the left, you go to the right, you go up, you go down, you back up, you go forward two steps, you take three steps back, you go four more steps forward, you take three more steps backwards. All along, though, we are moving, but because of the detours, we become frustrated that we're not making progress. When in reality, where we could be, we are getting there, but the detours should be teaching us a lesson about where we are 
and why we still need to push forward in Jesus' name. Are you listening to me? All right. So we get frustrated sometimes by detours. We get frustrated sometimes and we get overwhelmed by distractions. And we get, of course, frustrated and overwhelmed by disappointments. We are overwhelmed because we are just disappointed that things did not work out according to plan. I used to do that until the late Caesar Clark made this statement, and at first I didn't understand what it mean. In fact, I thought maybe he was only talking about himself, but it's a part of reality. His, his statement was simple. Things rarely work out according to your plans. And particularly if God is in control of getting to where you are, to where you need to be, I would argue your plan probably will not work out. And it won't work out because if God is in control, God's going to control all of the distractions God's going to control all of the detours, and God's going to control all of the disappointments. Pastor, substantiate that for me in Scripture. Let's just ask Job. God had a destination for Job to get to, but in the beginning point, God created all the distractions. He created all of the detours, and he created the disappointments. In fact, he set Job up in our eyes to fail. But in reality, he was really building Job up because when you began in chapter 1 of Job, we see a man in one state, but by the time we get to chapter 42, he's a man in an entire different state. And in between those chapters, God is building him through distractions, God is building him through detours, and God is building him through disappointments. Don't ever let either one of those categories help you think that you are being destroyed because what God is really doing is stretching your faith and stretching your confidence and stretching your trust and stretching your reliance and stretching your perseverance and stretching your endurance because I'm here to tell you if you gonna shout on Sunday you better be ready when you land on your feet on Monday to have to face the trials and the challenges and tribulations. Can I get a witness in this house? Y'all ain't helping me out this morning, but you might as well jump on this wagon and recognize we going somewhere because God's going to stretch you. And in the stretching process, it doesn't always feel good. In fact, it's quite painful to be stretched by God, but God will never put more on you than you can bear, but he will always give you all that you need to persevere in the situation. We've got to recognize that God has given us a gift, and that gift is potentiality. In us, God has placed, Paul says it this way, God has given everyone a measure. He uses the word measure, which in the Greek means that God has given all of us a wrinkle. Watch this. Faith. Jesus says that we have in us faith as the, as the size of a mustard seed. Now, if you put a mustard seed on your finger, you'll come to recognize that's just not a whole lot. In fact, 
unless you got bad eyes like I got, you're going to have to look real close to see that. But that helps us magnify how much God has placed in us, God says, that it's more than what you need. That's the reason why Paul says we are more than conquerors through Christ who is the one who strengthened us. If I use what I got, here's Jesus' analogy, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it has to move. Now, did he mean that by way of a literal mountain? I don't think so, but I think he meant it this way. Whatever the distraction, whatever the detour, whatever the disappointment, you don't have to allow that to knock you off track. Just simply look at it and say, in the name of Jesus, this is just a stepping stone to something better, and God is stretching me to employ the faith that I have on the inside of me. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So God has given us potential on the inside, and the greatest gift we can give back to God is to develop that potential. And we develop that by getting, watch this, getting out of our comfort zone, leaving the space that we have become so accustomed to being at that does no challenge to us at all. If you're not in a relationship, it doesn't challenge you, you might want to re-examine that. If you're not in a job, it doesn't challenge you to grow, you might want to re-examine that job. If you are not growing where you are, then you will become stagnant and you have really developed what might be argued as a comfort zone. And many people like comfort zones because in comfort zones, you're not stretched. Your mind is not stretched, and your body is not stretched, and your emotion is not stretched, and your spirit is not stretched. And I've come to realize, according to Scripture, that life really does not begin until we end our comfort zone occupation. We make a decision that we have to leave where we are and we become willing to be stretched, not only by God, but even stretch ourselves to stretch out and to look at what seems to be the impossible at the moment. Why? Stretching does three things. Number one, stretching, write this down, moves us to exploration. Stretching moves us to exploration. You can shorten it. Stretching makes me explore. And by exploring, that means we end up traveling in or moving through unfamiliar areas to learn more. I said this morning that if you wanted to be a nurse when you came out of high school, you are not going to immediately get a nurse's badge and be assigned a job in the hospital. But there is a requirement of being able to explore through collegiate education two to four years, if not more, of what the human anatomy is all about. You've got to explore it and find out all of its nuances and discover all of its pros and cons and recognize all of its symptoms and what are the nerves and where are the muscles and how the tendons work, how the heart works, how the kidney works, how the liver works. You've got to find out every dimension and that will require for you to explore. And explore means that you have to get into areas that you've never been in before. It makes you uncomfortable because you've got to learn things you've never learned before 
24, but you will not be stretched to become a nurse until you understand what it means when we talk about the human anatomy. The same serves true for life in ministry. You'll never get to where you really need to be until you let God stretch you, and stretching you means that I have to go into areas that I'm uncomfortable with. I have to deal with circumstances which I really don't like and people which make me uncomfortable, but God stretches you because in that stretching you realize how much you really can take, how strong you really are, how weak you really are, and what your diversity is, and in return, because God stretches you, you get opened up into a whole new environment of learning. Some of you will never progress because you won't stretch out of your comfort zone. You stay where you are, and when you stay where you are, you get what you get. You want more, but you're not willing to pay the price. Remember what I said at the outset? Before the prize, there is a price. So stretching makes us go into expiration. Stretching also causes us to evolve evolve in the sense where it helps us to gradually grow and develop. It helps us to become more of what we never thought we were. It helps us make sure that our potential doesn't lie dormant and never becomes active. Some of us are happy today because we know we're not what we used to be. In fact, your Christian walk should be one of evolution. What you are doing this year should even surpass what you did last year because God has grown you from a year before. So some of the things that has been your hindrance, we should be making progress by the evolution of the word that we are no longer going to be stumped by that which held us back in the past, but I am going to push forward because God is evolving me, and I'm learning new things about myself, and you ought to too, as a result of allowing the Spirit of God to evolve, to come out of me, and that leads to emerging. That means that God has something resting on the inside of me that's dying to get out. And when it comes out, it emerges to depict that I'm a new person in Christ. And one reason why people don't grow is because they don't want to become, they don't want to move out from something of old into something of new. And you absolutely cannot grow unless you're willing to stretch yourself that the new whoever on the inside of you might emerge. Few people want to stretch because again, it means using more of your mind and more of your ability than you've ever used before. I shared this morning, I'll share with you, one of the most disheartening things that I learned was that 49% of college graduates, when they leave college, never read a book again. They never open a book again. That's because they figured they spent four years opening and shedding books, and now as a result, they are done, they're complete, not realizing that when you are stretching and growing, you are never done and never complete. In fact, you should challenge yourself to read more once you come out of college. Here's my, not a brag, just to let you know how I'm stretching myself. It's my challenge, I've always done it for the last 10 years, but I'm gonna stretch it and change it this year. I read one book a month, one book a month. This year, I'm going to read two a month. 
I'm stretching myself because I know that I cannot limit myself to what I've learned only in the past, but I've got to allow the evolution of knowledge to be a part of my process of development. And to do that, I've got to stretch my time and stretch my mind to learn more. So what I did in a month, now I've got to do in two weeks because I've got to stretch if I want to do more with the potentiality of what I have. You should do the same. You should stretch your mind and you should read outside of your comfort zone. Read more, read areas that you certainly are uncomfortable with. So I read a little bit of everything. I read stuff that would be totally opposite of Christianity. I have to. Because I can't present apologetics in any kind of successful manner if I don't know what the other side is thinking. So you've got to learn to go beyond your, your zone of being comfort and stretch your mind. Some of y'all, you, you stay where you are because you take the same route, do the same thing, hang out with the same people. You do it all the time. And what happens? You end up being dissatisfied with familiarity because what you do is you fall into familiar patterns and habits, which means, once again, you do the same things in the same way with the same people at the same time. And you know what happens. You get the same results. And I'm challenging you in 2019, if you want to change that, stretch yourself. Do something different and allow yourself to stretch out into the deep. Abraham Maslow says that if you plan on being anything, hear me clearly, write this down. I'll say it for you real slow. If you plan on being anything less than what you are capable of being, you will be unhappy in the process. I'm gonna, thank you. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again for you. If you plan on being anything less than what you are capable of being, you will be miserable in the process. And here's an extension. If you plan on being anything less than what you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. Because there is so much on the inside of you that God has placed there. If you read Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 6 and 7, God repeatedly says to humanity, be fruitful and multiply, which means that God has an expectation that you are not to be dormant, you are not to be in a space of comfort zone, but you are to always be growing and stretching out so that you can see the unknown and you can experience what God has in store. And that's the reason why the writer says that God can supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. In other words, when you stretch out, God's got so much to give you that you never can stretch out far enough where you can outstretch the providing hand of God. But you got to be willing to stretch. So I got three things I want to tell you and then I'm going to take my seat. We going home because I'm hungry one more time. 
three things I got to tell you. I don't know what's wrong with me. The older I get, the more hungry I get through the course of Sunday morning. I don't know what's wrong with me. If, if you want to experience the blessing of being stretched, to stretch, you've got to be willing to A, write this down, leave behind what feels familiar, safe, and secure. You've got to leave behind what feels familiar, safe, and secure. That's the first point. Got that? Here's the second point. To stretch, you must be willing to give up excuses and push forward. To stretch, you must be willing to give up excuses and push forward. You got that? Here's number three. To stretch, you must be willing to face the tension that comes from stretching forward to your potential. Let me say it for you again. To stretch, you must be willing to face the tension that comes from stretching forward to your potential. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You do not want to fall under the conviction that the poet John Greenleaf Whittier leaves us, which he defines as the saddest words that can fall from one's lips or that can be penned by one's hand. It might have been if. Those are sad words. It might have been if. Now watch this come alive in the text. Because Jesus in Mark 3 gave us a demonstration of why stretching is, here's another note, risky business. Stretching is risky business because once again, you are going to leave your comfort zone. And in leaving your comfort zone, that will mean that you may also leave behind folk who like being in the comfort zone. That means also that you will leave behind relationships that if you're not careful will bind you to the comfort zone and you will watch your blessing move past in front of you and someone else will be where you ought to be. It's risky business to stretch. But watch this. It's also revelatory to stretch. You really won't understand the importance of stretching until you grasp the power of what it means to have vision. When you have vision, you look beyond the context of what you can see and you look into the impossible. If time permitted, he would have saw his vision come to pass, but at least he was revelatory. Walt Disney had dreamed of what the Walt Disney world would look like. He never saw it come to fruition, but if he could see it now. And all of that came from a dream, a vision of how families could enjoy themselves when they come together for recreation. And what he's trying to tell us is you got to be able to see beyond the present context of where you are. Hey, I got to tell you right now, 
I don't look like what I've been through because I have been able to see beyond where I was. There's some people who can testify. I know I look one way, but you don't have no idea what I've been through, but I haven't allowed what I've been through to decide how I'm going to look because I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. And because of that, I got to look like I'm winning no matter how bad the battle looks because I am a warrior in the kingdom of God and because I'm a warrior, I see beyond what I presently see now. That's why David walked down and looked at the giant and said, you don't know who you messing with. You talking about messing with a young warrior whom God has revealed that he's able to do more than he could ever think. And he said, I'm not going to fight you with a sword. I'm not going to pull out a shield. I got five smooth stones and I want you to watch how my God going to handle this situation. And David said, when it looked like you are defeated, don't you ever accept defeat because you are victorious in Jesus Christ you just wind up for the father and you wind up for the son and you wind up for the Holy Ghost and you let go of the word of God and you watch God bring down some giants and I don't know about you but I can testify God has brought down some giants for me and I mean I didn't have to do anything but stand still and watch the salvation of God that's because I got revelation that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. Hallelujah. Bless the name of our God. I can see. Hallelujah. I can see it. You, you don't see it, but I can see it because I'm revelatory and because I was willing to risk, be stretched and I saw it, God gave me a reward. And the reward was an answered prayer. Now it took some time. Good God Almighty, he took me up the valley, in the valley, behind the valley, out in the woods. We hung out for a long time, but he promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me, and he would always give me strength to handle the battle, and I'm here today to testify. Do I have any witnesses? When you hang out with God, God will hang out with you, and he will give you all that you need. He'll give you a reward because he's able. God Almighty, I feel my help coming up in here now. That, that young girl, that, that woman who had that issue of blood, took the risk to push her way through the crowd. She was an outcast, shouldn't have been among the people according to Levitical law. But she risked it all, but she had revelation. If I could just touch God Almighty, the hem of his garment. Watch her reward. I will be made whole. Read the story. And the story tells you when she touched Jesus, Jesus knew that someone had took a risk to get to where he was and someone was willing to see what they couldn't see and they were in return blessed with a reward. Jesus said when she touched me, something left out of me, the virtue and the power of who I was and Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And she backed up and said, Lord, it was me and he said, girl, your faith has made you whole and that's simply because you are willing to take the risk she stretched 
I just want to know, are you willing to stretch this afternoon? Are you willing to stretch out? Are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to look beyond where you are and see God bringing you through? See God bringing you out. See God opening the door. See God making a way. See God opening up the windows of heaven. I'm talking about seeing what you don't see. And then you get your reward. God brings it to pass. Woo! Here it is. Here it is. All of us right here in the text. Right here in the text. Follow me in the story. Following this story. I'm going to use the previous point that I gave you. Remember what I gave you. Here we are. Here we are. First point. You must be willing to leave behind what feels familiar, safe, and secure. Here's my question for you. Look closely at verse 1. Verse 1 says that Jesus came into the synagogue slash the place of learning, the temple where they were teaching scripture, and there was a man in there who had a withered hand. Now I want you to centralize your focus on the man. Because the man had every opportunity to stay home in his comfort zone. He had every opportunity to stay in a familiar place. He could have been at home, out of the public, basking in the sorrow of his disappointment and his disability. But instead, the text says, he stretched out by faith, obviously, and made his way to the house of God. And by stretching out, he entered into exploration. He came to church. I came to tell you this morning, even though the, the vision, the dream, hasn't manifested itself for you yet, don't stay home because you're disappointed. Don't hang out at home because it's easier to look at yourself and cry alone than it is to come to church and shout and rejoice. You get yourself on here to the house of God and you celebrate because the man's action tell us you don't know what God has in store. You don't know who God may have in the house. You don't know where God may show up and how God may show up. The man didn't know that Jesus was going to be there, but because he came there, Christ came there, and I'm just trying to tell you, you you might want to come on to church because you don't know your answer prayer might be right here waiting on you for you to come and get what you have been missing. But some of us want to stay home in the familiar. I don't want to go to church. I feel bad. My leg hurt. My eye hurt. My ear hurt. My hair hurts. Everything hurts. I don't want to go to church because I just don't feel like all that shouting, preacher hollering, choir singing, so so-and-so going to shout. It just, it just bothers me. And you're going to miss out on your blessing because you'd rather stay home. And in staying home, you'd rather not stretch and explore how God may evolve and emerge your new beginning but you'd rather hang around at the house and do what? Watch preaching on TV. I'm hoping that I'm 
can encourage you, in the words of Paul, to leave behind what kept you bound in 2018, but reaching, stretching forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I press, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, I press. I stretch toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So what are you stretching for for 2019? What's your goal? What's your goal? I don't care if it ain't but one goal, get one. Get one and stretch for it, work for it, labor for it. Remember what I told you at the very beginning? Before the prize, there's a price. Here it is, right there in verse 1. He showed up to church. But watch this, Julian. Look at the second point. You must be willing to give up excuses and push forward. Look at verse 1 again. The man showed up who had a big excuse. I got a withered hand. The word withered is what we call in the perfect passive tense. In the Greek, that simply means this. Something happened to him in the past, and even though it happened in the past, the consequence is still being experienced in the now. That means whatever happened yesterday is still affecting him now. And generally, when that happens, it prohibits us from moving forward. Whatever it was, someone or something caused the man to lose activity in that hand, injured it, and by injuring it, it disabled him from being able to make a living for himself. So think about this. He had every reason to make an excuse of not going forward. And I'm going to show you what it means by going forward. Look what he has. He has a withered hand, which means that he can no longer grab, he can no longer hold, he can no longer feel with that one hand, and circulation there has been deceased. He had every reason to be able to say, as the man did at the Pool of Bethesda, every time I wanted to get to the healing experience, somebody, something beats me to the punch. How many of us say that on Sunday? Every time I want to go to church, my pants is wrinkled, my dress just ain't right, my hair just ain't the way it ought to be, I, I, I just can't do anything with it, I can't go to church looking like this. I don't have a car. We already know you ain't got no car. We see you walk to church on Sunday morning. It's okay that you don't have a car. In fact, we don't want to hear, nor God wants to hear excuses. In fact, if you really want to be stressed, that means that whatever excuse, listen, have you noticed? It doesn't matter what it, if we really want to grasp it, doesn't matter how many excuses come up, we find a way to get around the excuses. We find a way to make it happen. And he could have said, I got to stay home because my hand is crippled and I don't want folk looking at my hand. Just like you and I, 
I don't want people to see the shoes I got on. I don't want them to see the dress that I'm wearing or the suit that I'm wearing. In fact, I wear the same suit every Sunday. Who cares? You come to get a word from God that would revolutionize, and here it is, sustain your life through the course of the week. Do you really care what people think about what you're wearing in church? That's because we place value on what's on the outside and devalue what's on the inside of the person. But this man had no excuses. He showed up at church, I want to argue, because he was tired of that withered hand. And you might not have a withered hand, but you got a withered emotion and a withered spirit and a withered heart and a withered intention. He decided that my condition is no longer viable for what I desire to be. I got to change it, and I'm going to the house of God. He stretched himself. Didn't matter who it was because what God did was he didn't permit his disability to bind him from pushing forward. He let God use his stretching to evolve who he was. Here's a clincher. Read the story, verse 1 and 2. He's there, but he can't do anything because his hand is withered. Can't move it. Watch the connection. Here's my third point. You must be willing to face the tension that comes from stretching forward toward your potential. Verse 2 says that Jesus, being watched by folk who were hating on him, Jesus comes into the equation and makes the man's situation more complicated, creating tension. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's this crowd that wants to always hang around in the background and got issues with Jesus. Now, here's what gets me. When you see the word they in the text, particularly in chapter 3, but also in chapter 2, it always references Pharisees, scribes, those who were constantly, from their religious perspective, against what Jesus was attempting to do. Everywhere he moved, when Jesus turned around, there they was in his face. No matter where he was, they were right there. What gets me is, if you hate the brother, why you follow him everywhere that he goes? Everywhere he moves, they right there in the shadow. There he is. Let's, let's, let's see what he's going to do now. And here we are on the Sabbath day. Is he doing what I think he's doing? Go back to chapter 2. Take your Bible and back up to chapter 2. Look, look, look closely at verse 6. I know he not doing what I think he doing. Verse 6 tells us that when a paralytic man was healed, his friends brought him to Jesus. They couldn't find room, space in the door to bring him in, so they took him up on the roof and pulled off the roof and let him down. And Jesus looked and said, man, what faith you have, that's going to make you whole. You would think that the scribes and the Pharisees would be shouting that the man who was paralyzed is now healed. But uh-uh, not them. No, not them. Not them. No, no. 
Look at what verse 6 says. They got a question. Look what it says. But some of the scribes sitting there, reasoning with their hearts, asked, why did this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? They more concerned about if they're theologically correct as opposed to the man is practically healed. But that's what haters do. Haters specialize and major in the minor. And they miss the major point of the moment. Oh, that's not it. Drop down a little bit more. Look down at verse 16. Once again, Jesus is calling Matthew. He creates a scene when he goes and sits down with folk who live on the street. He sits with tax collectors and sinners. That's who they are. People who are ostracized, marginalized. People don't like to be around them. Jesus goes and sits down. And look at the text in verse 16. When Jesus sits and converses and shows them some love and let them know there is humanity in them, look what the Pharisees do. They, they, they look up and say, uh, he's eating with sinners. Tashley, they said, why to his disciples is he eating with such people? Why your boy eating with them folk over there? Don't he know that religious people don't converse with non-religious people? Baptists don't set out with the Methodists. Baptists don't hang out with the Lutherans. Oh, here's a good one. Baptists don't even talk to the Mormons. Preach Murphy. That's too deep for him. That's too deep for him. Don't go there right now. Okay, I'm going to go past that. Look at verse 18. Jesus, uh, when the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, looking at John's disciples, looked and asked, as they were sitting as well, asked the question, why does John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples, they ain't fasting like we do. They don't do church like we do. It's almost like the baby boomers say of the millennials, y'all ain't doing church like we did church. Y'all want to do all that praise and worship stuff. Y'all want to come to church just in your jeans with the holes all in the front, and you want to just jump up and down all the time. Sit yourself down somewhere and honor the house of God, not realizing that's your form of religion. And Paul says we have a form of God, but not according to his divine word. Watch this. That ain't it. Reverend George, it even gets worse. So one day they were hungry. Jesus and the disciples, they were moving through a field. Verse 23 and 24, and Jesus had the nerve on the Sabbath to pick, to pick some corn from the field. Hold up. It's, it's the Sabbath day. Jesus said, listen, John ain't open. Wegmans ain't open. Harris Teeter ain't open. Safeway ain't open. None of them are open. And we hungry. And we don't do processed food. We do all organic. So I'm going out in the field where the corn grow, and I'm going to pick. And the Pharisees say, hold up, dog. You can't do that. This is the Sabbath day. Jesus said, you haven't heard the story about David? When David and some of his men were hungry, and they came to the temple, and Abathar, the priest, gave David some bread from the consecrated table and told him, eat all that you wish. And he moved that on the Sabbath, and they said, man, you done lost your mind. This is the, we want honoring of the Sabbath more than healing your hunger. And that's the trouble we have in our nation right now. 
people want wholeness according to the particularity of their own process rather than to meet people where they are. And as a result, we end up missing out. Says the text, verse 2, that the reward for taking the risk by the man uh, of coming to church brought tension to the man and brought tension even to his revelation as he's going to stretch forth and notice what happens. Jesus, in coming in there, had his haters and his critics standing around watching to see exactly what he was going to do. Because when God stretches you, it gets everybody's attention. He stretches the man, and in stretching the man, he causes tension to rise up in the man's life. In fact, verse 3 says that he looks at the man and says, hey, hey, come here. Here it is in the Greek. Come here and stand right in the middle so everybody can see you. Can you imagine a man, me, you, you want me to want me to come in the middle, but the Pharisees and the scrap, nah, don't, don't worry about them. Come, come stand right here in the middle. If you want to be healed, stretch yourself. Risk. See yourself healed. Risk. There's a reward there, but you got to risk it. Stretch out. He comes in the middle, and then he poses the incredible question to those who were unwilling to stretch themselves. Look closely at verse 4. Is it lawful on this day to give life or to take it away? What do we do when we come to church? Can I, can I really step on your toes this morning? Why are we so hung up on the process in the order of service? We so bind to this paper that if God intervenes, God has to fight to get into the program. I mentioned we're not going to have a bulletin. Everybody fall. <gasps> you got to have a bulletin. That's sacred. No, you don't. Let me tell you how I know you don't. I could turn this bulletin over and burn it. You would know every process that we use. You know what's going to come next after each event. You don't read it no way, so why do you really need it? Because Jesus is saying... I'm more interested in getting into the service, not into the order of service. And see, they wanted, they, wanted, they wanted God to come in the way that they wanted God to come in. And God said, hold up, I show up how I want to show up because I'm the creator of all things. In fact, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my grace this morning and my mercy that enabled you to be alive and well. Read Psalm 3 and Psalm 5, and the psalmist said, it's God that lets me lie down every night, and then that wakes me up early in the morning, and then that keeps me through the course of the day, and then I'm going to bless God's name because I know if it had not been. All right, I'm going to bring it to a close. I said, y'all fading out on me. So the Bible says that Jesus, when he asked the question, look at the end, look at the end of verse 4. They couldn't answer him. Your haters always got excuses as to why you shouldn't stretch. And when you asked him, why should I not? I don't know. I just don't think it's a good thing to do. What does I don't know mean? What does that mean when you have no substantiation to give us reasons why you don't know? 
I don't know. I just don't feel it. It just, it just don't feel right to me. And you know what happens when you run your life on feelings? Because I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel like coming and sometimes I don't feel like coming. Sometimes I feel like God is near and sometimes I feel like God is a long ways away. You can't run off of feelings. Feelings is good, though. They make you feel good. But you've got to have faith in more than feelings. Here it is. Here it is. They didn't say anything. So Jesus said, let me go and bring this thing to a close. Stretch out your hand. But the man can't. His hand is withered. How would he stretch out? Because here's a word God shared with me when I was preparing this sermon several weeks ago. Here's a word. If your vision ain't bigger than you, it's not a God vision. See, because if it's only in the scope of my perception and I can supply all that's needed to bring it to pass, that ain't a God vision. God's vision is always bigger than we are because it will then require that we have to trust God to make the provision. So that's why God stretches you in vision. When people are trying to build, expand the churches, they have to be stretched because they don't have the resources. They got to trust that God will move on the hearts of the people to be able to give so we can grow and multiply. But the reward is at the end of the journey, we see the manifestation of what the vision was. He couldn't stretch out his hand, but I believe that God placed, planted in his mind what his hand would look out if he would just stretch. And he stretched. Look at the end of verse 5. In stretching, his hand was made whole. Some of you still broken. You're still disappointed. You're still agonizing. You're still frustrated because you won't stretch. You won't allow yourself to stretch out on faith and believe that God's going to bring wholeness to your life. Can I tell you what I think this man thought? This is my spiritual imagination. What God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. I know He'll bring me out because he got that kind of power to make it work if I'm willing to stretch out. What God has for me, it is for me. It is for me. It is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. And you got to say that to yourself, even with a withered hand. I know somehow he will surely bring me out. You got to say that to yourself because what God has for you is for you if you're willing to stretch to get it. What happens when you stretch out? Look at verse 6. All your haters will leave you contriving with other haters. What can we do to stop him or her from moving forward? Because when you stretch, people don't like it 
when you stretch out and they want to keep you confined to a space of comfort zone because they don't want to grow. But I expect more of you this year. I don't care if it's one thing, just one thing, I expect for you to pursue it. Work hard, go hard, stretch. And sometimes you have to rewind your mind back. I remember Barbara and I first got married. I'm done now. I'm done. Barbara and I first got married. 